Warning, the following program is solely intended for a mature audience. Any of the idiotic opinions and views expressed on this show are solely opinions of Dark Cringe Radio and not of its advertisers, which is completely pointless because this poorly produced, dumbass podcast has no advertisers. Furthermore, any rebroadcast or redistribution of Dark Friend Radio podcasts without per- the permission is strictly prohibited. If you do, we will find you. And then we will send three black-eyed children to your home or office to collect your soul. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Dark Fringe Radio. I'm your host, Will Martinez, here with you tonight, and uh, we got a good one scheduled for you tonight. And I got my co-host with me on the line, Jay Glossy. Jay, what's up? Hey, what's going on, my man? How's everything, man? Everything good, man? Great. Good, man. Good. Great. Yeah. Remember when this song came out, man? I do, I do. Uh, I remember everybody was kind of marveling with the part because they definitely, you know, you had your kind of heavier rock bands and then you had your uh, rap metal bands like Lick Biscuit and then Lick Biscuit Park was kind of right in the middle. Right, they were right there. They were like, they weren't like Limp Biscuit like trashy, like, you know. I don't think anybody really liked Limp Biscuit. I mean,. They had a couple good songs, yeah, but they were like a, a notch above. You agree? Oh no, absolutely. I, see, I actually did like Limp Bizkit. I they, their second album was uh, was great, but I like I definitely like Lincoln Park better, and I think Lincoln Park aged better. Yeah, they certainly did. For for sure. So no, Lincoln Park was definitely above, way above. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, tonight we're going to be uh, talking about uh, the link between uh, depression and creativity, and it's uh, something a little bit off the beaten path of what we normally talk about, but um, nonetheless, I think it's still important to um, you know bring up this topic. And Jay was actually the one who suggested this one, so you know the, all credit goes to him on this one. Uh, but I wanted to remind everybody on the uh, the podcast to uh, check us out, of course, on Twitter, SoundCloud. Uh, iTunes, just look up Dark Fringe Radio. Very simple. If you could, um, you know, a way to pay us back and uh, give us a pat on the back is when you're on iTunes, uh, make sure you give a five-star rating and uh, subscribe and, you know, give a comment. Uh, give anything. Any kind of feedback is cool for us. Uh, so just uh, make sure you do that, and uh, that would be uh, super grateful. Uh, and that just helps us with advertisers and stuff like that. So we're really trying to, um, you know, get this off to the ground. Anyways, uh, again, you could catch us on all those um, realms as well. But, Jay, where else are we uh, newly uh, joined on as well? We just found out not too long ago that we're also on uh, on Google Play. Yeah, Google Play. So uh, that's uh, for all you Android users. Um, so it's very simple, just like it is for the iTunes users, how they can go to their iStore um, 
iTunes store, you can go in your Android phone and go to your Google Play store. It works just the same way. Um, you look up Dark Fringe Radio, it pops up in the podcast. All you do is just subscribe to the podcast. You can either you know choose an option to have it automatically downloaded when we download a new episode every Wednesday, um, or not, or it can just give you a notification. So you you have the option to you know make that choice, and you know obviously uh, the uh, power is in your hands when it comes to that. So very exciting news, Jay. Thanks for you know dropping that. I mean, yeah, very exciting. I mean, now there's no reason why anybody cannot catch our podcast. I mean, it's available on all fronts at this point, right? I mean, that's that's awesome. I, I can't believe how far we've come in just 22 episodes. Yeah, definitely leaps and bounds. So, again, you can catch us uh, on all those fronts there that I explained to you. Again, also on Instagram, uh, as uh, we announced last week, we're on there as well. And the uh, world's loneliest uh, website, darkfringeradio.wordpress.com, uh, because, hey, Listen, we don't get a lot of traffic there, but that's okay. I mean, you guys are good on the other social media between Facebook and Twitter, so I appreciate it. So I'm not saying that I don't appreciate your your efforts. So, but I please, 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 I do urge you guys to you know retweet, retweet, share uh, all the stuff that we do on social media because all that does is just helps us with our exposure and gets more people interested in our podcast. So again, Jay, uh, we're going to be talking about the link between you know, depression and creativity. And this was, a, you know, something that you, you know, you brought up and I thought it was a great, you know, a great idea to, you know, talk, talk about on the episode. Yeah. I, you know, I, um, I listened to a bunch of other podcasts too, and there's this one and I, they haven't, it hasn't come back on. It's been a few months. I don't know if it's still going, but it was called, uh, what really happened. And one of the things that they were talking about, they were talking about Winston Churchill and, uh, and his depression and they kind of talk a little bit more on if he really had it or didn't have it. And they kind of look at some of the kind of ways through, through everything. They did a whole bunch of stuff. Um, but I found this to be very interesting. And in it, they talked about the link between uh, creativity and, uh, and mental illness and depression. And I thought it was such an interesting topic, but it was like a bullet point for them. It, I don't think they, they, they gave it really the kind of width and breadth. So, um, I thought, it, again, it's it's interesting to hear some of these people uh, who battled those kinds of things far before there were any kind of medications for it, before there were any kind of that's about it, and the, the kind of great people they became, the kind of civic and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's interesting, um, you know, to hear about how great these people were. And especially now that we have more awareness and more knowledge of what they had to go through and battle to really see the kind of hurdles they overcame. Yeah, very interesting stuff. And I'm, I'm very, you know, uh, happy and glad that you were able to, uh, you know, suggest that. And I thought it was a great idea. So kudos to you on that. So we'll get started here in a minute. Again, uh, Dark Fringe Radio, you can catch us on all fronts there. SoundCloud, iTunes, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Uh, where else? Twitter, everywhere. We're everywhere. We're like, uh, we're like, you know, I don't even know. We're like Trump. We're everywhere. Everywhere you turn, you see him. So that's how we're going to be. So anyways, Dark French Radio, catch us uh, everywhere, and uh, we'll get started here in a minute.
Jay, so um, we're going to be talking about the uh, link between creativity and depression or the depression and creativity. But first, before we get into any of all that, um, you know, Jay, we have to bring something up to, you know, your attention here, you know? Yeah, what is it? Yeah, you can't, you cannot deny it. It's time. You know what it's time for, right? It's time! Yeah, time for three-story Monty. <laughs> yes, you're right. You're right. And I know why you're so depressed about it. But listen, think positive. You know, think clearly. You're going you're gonna to be all right. We're, we're going to get through this, you know, together. So, all right. Well, if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about here, there's a game that we uh, play called Three Story Monty. I give Jay three stories, uh, all equally as absurd as the next. And he has to figure out which one out of three is basically the wrong one, the false one. But... It's hard for him to figure it out because they're all crazy stories. So, uh, nonetheless, we'll get started here. Jay, number one on the list. Are you ready? As ready as I'm ever going to get. Okay. Well, number one on the list, actor who played Barney the Dinosaur is now a tantric sex healer. Give me some sugar, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, number, okay. t- <laughs> number two, heartbroken locals hold a candlelight vigil for the Taco Bell that burned down. I said, oh, Lord, Jesus, it's a fire. Then I ran out. I didn't grab no shoes or nothing, Jesus. I ran for my life. And then the smoke got me. I got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. So, numero dos. That's number two. And number three, woman eats her own placenta after being possessed by a demon. You know, you need to dress up your salads by putting fruits, but I love nuts. <laughs> yes, you do. I am a nut lover. <laughs> you know. So that's number three. So, Jay, it's uh, three different, very highly... Uh... It's number three. Oh, it's number three. Oh, you're saying it's number three. You're jumping to number three right away, huh? Yep. All right. You're all right, man. Number three. You got it, man. You hit the nail on the head. You got it back. You got your title ah. back. Yep. Yep, it's a woman eats her own placenta after being possessed by a demon. That was a complete uh, fiction of my imagination. So it goes to show you where my imagination goes. I don't know where the hell I thought of that, but I had to think of something. But, um, yeah, Jake, can you believe the actor who played Barney the Dinosaur is now a tantric sex healer? After hearing that Elmo used to feel up little kids, man, I, I believe it. Oh, guess what Elmo's thinking about today? Oh, I mean, come on, really? I mean... Is nothing sacred anymore? No, nothing is sacred anymore. No. I f- you. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You f- me. We'll have a big ass f- uh, Basically, yeah, the guy who, uh, yeah, is played Barney the Dinosaur is now a tantric sex healer. So the guy's name is David Joyner. He uh, charges female clients and he calls them goddesses. Uh, for $350 uh, for three to four hours of a ritual bath. Chakra balancing and massage that can lead to a quote unquote mind blowing orgasms. Good, baby, very good. That Vice wrote. And apparently, the article was an uh, anti climax for Joyner because he says, I truly wish more people would try to see the spiritual side of Tantra and not think of it of all about sex. He compa- uh, complained to uh, uh, writers on Facebook on Tuesday. 
some people here in the West can be so sad. So that's that's basically what he's saying. Uh, the 54-year-old joiner who has uh, practiced uh, since 2004 said he uses uh, tantra ta- uh, training and uh, to maintain his energy while he was playing the 70-pound Barney costume during the long days of shooting. The character's voice was usually supplied by another actor. So, you know, the energy that he brought up um, in that costume was uh, the foundation of Tantra that that he's explaining. And uh, everything he's saying stems from uh, that grows and involves from love. Uh, that's the whole Tantric thing. That's where it's all based off. And uh, even when you have uh, emotionally blocked energy, he's stating, uh, the best way to remove it is to remove it with love and then replace it with God's divine love. And love heals and allows you to continue to grow. So uh, that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Mr. Uh, Joyner. And that's uh, that's his uh, little take there on the uh, tantric sex thing. Amazing, huh? Right on. And, uh, yeah, the heartbroken locals that hold a candlelight vigil for the Taco Bell that burned down. That was a real story. Can you believe that, man? I can, man. Have you ever have you ever had, had drank one too many uh, natty ices back in the broke teenage and early college days? And how important was Taco Bell at two in the morning, baby? Yeah, I've been there. I've been there. So yeah, these people uh, basically hold a vigil for this uh, Taco Bell, and it was like over a hundred people. It was amazing. I mean, people were actually dressed in white, uh, walking down, um, you know, the uh, the front of the Taco Bell. Uh, people were yelling. Um, it's just, it's crazy. I can't believe that somebody, this happened in Montgomery, Alabama. And you had white people and black people together walking up and down in front of that Taco Bell. Everybody was together. It was amazing. And you know what, you know what it's like? You know, there's a movie with Sylvester Stallone, um, Demolition Man, where he's the, the cop that has been frozen and, ends up being thought out to catch Wesley Snipes, who was also from the same time. Um, but by that point, Taco Bell had bought out every other restaurant. So, like, if you were going out for a nice evening, you went to Taco Bell. I remember that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, and the guy was like, hey, uh, we're going to go to dinner, or where are we going? And they're like, Taco Bell. And the guy was like, what? Right? Yeah. That's yeah. It. That's nuts. That's nuts. Hold on. I, I think I got a video regarding this uh Heartbroken locals regarding the Taco Bell. Hold on. She says she feels absolutely indebted for every Taco Bell that ever cooked. <laughs> By the way, it's an African-American lady, and she has a white dress on, and her hair is the same color as one of those Mountain Dew blasts from Taco Bell. I'm not even, I am not even kidding. It is the funniest thing. You got to see this shit. It's hilarious. Hold on. She just picked up one of the Mountain Dew blasts and poured it on the floor. Oh. Yeah, well, anyways, yeah. That, can you believe that? The people are really that, like, they don't have anything else better to do? Really? 
I was, I was just thinking to myself, like, these people don't have other shit to do today. Yeah, that's just amazing to me. All right. Well, enough about that shit. You won this week, Jay. You got your title back, so you're back on the winning side, all right? Oh, but wait. Yeah, what's up? Let's flip the script a little bit. Oh, shit. What happened? How about a little, how about a little three-story Monty for you? Oh, okay. Let's see. You know what time it is, huh? Oh, well, do you know what time it is? It's time! It's time for some three-story. It's three time story. for you to be on the receiving end of some of the nonsense <laughs> I put up with. All right. <laughs> All right, let's see what you got, Jay. I'm ready for it. Let's go. Battery explodes after man inexplicably bites into it. Yeah. Camel beauty pageant bans Botox animals. Oh, okay. Or boy finds religious relic under a shed and mom makes him throw it away. That would be my mom, but yeah. Um, let me see. That's good. What are the three choices again? Give me from the top again. Top. Smartphone battery explodes after man inexplicably bites into it. Okay. Camel beauty pageant bans Botox animals. Okay. Our little boy finds religious relic under shed and mom makes him throw it away. Ooh, I don't know, man. That's uh, pretty good. I want to go with C. I'm going to go with a third one. Good call. Yeah? That's the one that I made up as I said. Yeah. Ah, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, it just seemed to be like uh, too organic. I don't know. Even though it would be like something my mom would tell me to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely something. Well, I don't know if my mom would tell me to throw away a religious relic unless she didn't know it was a religious relic. But yes. Yeah, yeah. So, uh. After giving me a right cross first. <laughs> well, you know, our moms, man. Your mom. Sometimes your mom. Sometimes it's part of being a parent. You just tell your kid to just throw shit away. You know, you know how many Nerf darts I throw, I've thrown away? Do you know how much money oh. that probably has cost me? I've thrown into a garbage can just because oh. I get tired of picking them up. It's, it's so depressing. It really is. It honestly is. It really is. Or when you throw away like a Lego set, when you know you paid like fucking sixty dollars for a Lego set. See, I have, we don't throw away Lego sets. <laughs> we have we have IKEA shelves in a playroom uh, that every now and then Rachel goes through and organizes into specific pieces, and then has all the booklets set aside. And I just bought a whole new shelving unit to house all kinds of. We're big Lego people. Oh, that's cool, man. No, that's awesome. No, that's cool. But yeah, I, I, I know what you're talking about, man. It's it's just horrible. It's horrible. But well, anyways, listen, uh, thanks for flipping the script on me, man. That was a good surprise. I like that. I thought you would. I thought you would. So there's three money, three story money, two different ways. There you both go. of us got it right. We both, there you go. You're right. Absolutely. Hi, I'm Dylan Sicoccio. I'm the author of Spirit World, The Definitions, and The Tale of Anor, and you're listening to Dark Fringe Radio. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about the link between depression and creativity, and, um, you know, me and Jay started talking about it, and so I said to him, hey, listen, 
come up with three different uh, people that we can talk about and give examples about you know some of their work and their life and how what we're talking about tonight is a you know perfect example of that. So you know, Jay, I'm going to start with you. Um, who was the first person that you uh, you wanted to talk about tonight regarding the link between, of course, uh, depression and creativity? Well, the first one um, is Robin Williams. Oh yes. Uh, you know, he passed away not too long ago, committing suicide. Uh, but Robin Williams was a huge uh, influence on on my life personally. You, you know, I've always been a lot like Robin Williams, very energetic, very happy, very, uh, you know, all over the place, you know, with lots of voices. And I could identify with anything he did He with all the different characters he did. And in fact, he's also kind of was short in stature and, and uh, you know, maybe not classically handsome, but he just had that, that kind of a goose charm, if you will. And uh, I, I said last week on our podcast, I wanted, to, I wanted to grow up to be a Bugs Bunny, but after I realized I couldn't do that, first I wanted to grow up to be like. So I always found it, I found it very interesting to hear kind of what he was going through in the last few years of his life and how the choices he had made in the 70s and 60s kind of led him him down that path. I mean, it's, it's like the tears of the clown, like that song. Here was this man who did a lot to entertain millions, only wanting to ever make them smile, and he ends up committing suicide. Um, now, his, his wife has come out, uh, and they're actually doing an HBO special on him. They, they did a whole documentary on him um, right before he passed. should be coming out soon on HBO. And she said in that, she came forward and said that he, the, him committing suicide wasn't, didn't have anything to do with um, his past bouts of depression, um, but more to set the record straight, it was uh, all the other things that he had recently found out. They recently found out he was having, uh, he, was, he had Parkinson's, and he also had, um, he had another, another brain. Was it MS that he had, or? Do what? Was it MS, multiple sclerosis? Was wasn't it that also? It, no, it was. It wasn't um, MS. It was a. Uh, it was DLB, dementia with Louis body. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. So, it, it, because of this this degenerative dementia and the Alzheimer's it causes, you end up having to have you end up having hallucinations and impairments, and according to Robin Williams' doctors. He knew he was losing his mind, but couldn't do anything about it. And the, the depression that that caused is ultimately what caused him to take his own life, um, which is so sad. Yeah, it's very sad. I mean, but we, we, grew again, up, very, we grew up watching this guy. Yeah, I mean, my, my daughter, my 14-year-old daughter, her favorite movie is Aladdin. Her favorite character is Genie. She loved everything Robin Williams did. And, and honestly, she loves Robin Williams. So to have somebody, to have somebody who first made a big break in the late '60s in the Mork and Mindy show, have an effect on somebody who's not even old enough to drive yet. Yeah. From the characters, from the movies, from the way he entertained, and, uh, and from a know, different it, generation. It, it, it's extremely. Yeah, the man reached reached across everything. He was such a great actor, so unbelievably talented. Um, one would think that somebody with that many talents and that many things to be thankful for. It wouldn't you wouldn't have to fight depression, but I, I can tell you not not that I fought, have ever had to deal with depression, 
because uh, you'll you'll attest that I'm I'm probably the happiest person you'll ever meet. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't think I've ever seen you depressed. No, but because I'm always kind of the class, not the class time, but I, I was always the one making everybody laugh, and I've always kind of been really eased at ease with the center, being the center of attention and kind of making uh, entertaining people. I know that when I do have an off day or when, I feel, when I'm not feeling as happy or bouncy, um, I have to really fight to not let those things show so nobody knows. So I can't imagine when you're doing that for the entire world, the kind of, the kind of pressure that one would put on themselves. Absolutely. Uh, and that, I, I can see why, why probably he turned to those mind-altering drugs in the 70s like LSD and Coke and and created this long history he had with battling those addictions that ultimately is would be my honestly my my belief is what caused his brain to degenerate in the way it did and, and left him feeling like he had no other option but to to kill himself. Yeah, it's very sad. And um, talking about that documentary, I have the trailer here so that way everybody can hear. Hold on a second, okay? Who will you be today? <laughs> will the genie come out? He may have been the funniest person in Hollywood. So much cheaper than Viagra. There was an endless fountain of new creativity coming out of Robin all the time. I get the pudding now. It gushed out of We cast him into the field. Like an oil well. Hey, let's go see more. But beneath the smile, Robin Williams waged a nonstop battle against internal demons. The funniest people always happen to be the darkest, most tragic people. You think I'm crazy? Come on! From causing havoc on the set of his hit TV show... His favorite thing was he would exit the scene, and as he exited, he would take off all his clothes. Yeah! <laughs> to hitting the pinnacle of cinematic success... What does the Oscar mean? Oh, it's extraordinary. A life of grand triumphs... <laughs> and crushing setbacks. Christopher dying opened up an abyss for Robin. Preview of coming attraction. There's... Now, the people who really knew Robin give us a glimpse into his radiant wit. Okay, here we go again. Easy for you to say. <laughs> we're having fun here, folks. And troubling secrets. People were angry because they weren't experiencing the same level of success that he had. It's astonishing to think that he was functioning at that level with those issues underneath. Yeah, I mean, there there you go. I mean, a perfect representation of the link between uh, depression and creativity. I mean, uh, who else was a better mind? Uh, Comedic-wise, you know, improv the way he was able to just to command an audience and just make anybody, you know, laugh at a, you know, at a moment's notice. So, yeah, uh, you know, that's a great, a great representation, Jay. I mean, I mean, I don't think you get any better than that. No, I, I, I mean, I don't think there's anybody more creative, uh, at least not within that, that, than Robin Williams was, um, you know, and they say that part, one of the reasons why the two things are so connected is because, the portion of the brain, it's like a, a uh, spectrum where creativity is on one side, but on the other you have insanity and depression. And to be that creative, sometimes that portion of your brain never shuts off and that tends to lead to some of these these things. It's, but it's it, it, we have to be thankful, like you said last week, we have to be thankful for the all the wonderful things 
uh, he left us that we can still be entertained by and, and can be entertained by for the rest of all time. You know, and, and it's just, it's sad that you, you see somebody deteriorate. I mean, and he was able to mask it so well, like you said. I mean, you would have never, 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 never have known. Um, just looking on the outside, you know, uh, that this guy was severely, you know, diminishing, you know, slowly, you know, but surely. And, you know, the depression was just taking over him at a very overwhelming speed and rate. And it's just, it's sad to see somebody, you know, get to that point and obviously take their life and, you know, the way he did. So, you know, rest in peace to Robin Williams. I mean, that's just, uh, unfortunately a tragic loss. Mm. Well, listen, um, my, uh, one that I chose was Ernest Hemingway, and you know everybody knows about Ernest Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway, I should say. Um, you know he's a, you know everybody knows him here, especially in Florida. He's a like almost like a, a legend, especially in the Key West area. And if um, you know you guys don't know, he was a Nobel Prize winning author, and just basically one of the you know pinnacle you know cornerstones of American literature and novelist of the 20th century. And you know, he knew of him from works like Farewell to Arms and The Old Man and the Sea, which I'm sure you remember reading, you know, uh, you know, in school. We reread that book, I think, at least twice in uh, between middle school and high school. So, um, you know, he, yep. was, yeah, he was born in Illinois, and uh, he basically a lot of people don't know that he served in World War One, And um, a lot of the, uh, the stories that he wrote, he wrote while he was, you know, serving. Uh, during that time. So it, it was crazy that he was able to do that, but he committed suicide in July 2nd, 1961 in Ketchum, Idaho. But, you know, it's, it's amazing because this guy was able to, you know, write these amazing pieces of work in literature. And again, a very like, I don't know how a flamboyant figure in a way, because, you know, this guy would go out and do, you know, African hunt safaris. It was almost like in a way he was like, um a thrill seeker because he he was always kind of trying to like battle his depression with his thrill seekingness that's what i kind of you know looked looked at and was able to examine from the outside in because that's what i read i mean basically he was doing all these kinds of crazy things he survived two plane crashes i mean this guy went through a plethora of just different crazy adventures in his life so um, you know, serving in the war as well. I mean, that 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 alone, you know, that just puts miles on you. So, it's again another representation. Go ahead, Jay. I was going to say you, you have to wonder if maybe he he was suffering from like PTSD, and that's why he felt, you know, he had those bouts of depression. And and it makes sense. A lot of times when people are depressed or when they fight depression, they fight it by going out. And get, you want to get your mind off of it, so you go out and you do as much stuff as you can to be entertained. But once you've been in a war, uh, it's hard to get that level of excitement. Not that everybody's excited to fight a war, but that same kind of kick of adrenaline. Cause once you put your life on the line for something, uh, only the same will be able to give you that same sense of satisfaction. So, you know, that's, that's a shame that, that he had to go through that, but you can kind of look at it and say that while he was writing the things, his brain was at the at most active, because he was during World War One, there it was trench warfare. So you're in a trench, all weather, uh, bullets volleying over your head, and you are in this constant heightened state, uh, almost to where the adrenaline becomes like a drug. And and that would make sense that he did a lot of his works, got a lot of his best ideas in that time. And then once that was over, he had to go find other ways to keep himself on that kind of a razor's edge. 
to keep writing and keep that creative streak going. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. You, I mean, I think you, you nailed it right on the head. I mean, yeah, he had to continually just look for – he was constantly chasing that, that dragon, you know, that, that first high, you know, that first you know shot of adrenaline that he had when he was in the war. And, yeah, all through his life. And I think, uh, you, I think you're absolutely right. I think he did suffer from PTSD. I mean, because, listen, you know, that's not something that just scoff up, you know, about you – know, we're talking about World War One. You know, we're not talking about the Gulf War where, you know, you have, you know – equipment and 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 rations and and so on and so forth like you do in this you know you know day and age we're talking about world war one where things were you know a lot different it wasn't things weren't readily available things took time to get to where they needed to so it definitely created hard times for a lot of the soldiers so who knows what he went through during that time so yeah absolutely right so yeah that's uh that's the first one on my list jay who's your second one for you uh, my second one is the most biographed man in the world. Uh, my second one is Winston Churchill. Oh, yes. Uh, Winston, Winston Churchill, actually, there are books written about Winston Churchill and his battle, what he termed as the Black Dog. Now, the Black Dog was actually um, originally something that, that nannies in England would call uh, bad children that had a nanny. They would call them Black Dogs. So Winston Churchill, being as eloquent as he was a speech, used that term by this uh, this this nagging depression that he had going on. Uh, Winston Churchill was said to dream maybe four hours total a day, uh, but usually not at night. He would take uh, usually uh, like two two hour naps. Um, so he was constantly wired. He was always inebriated he my kind of guy um <laughs> for sure listen he knew how to party there's no doubt to that he, he did knew how to party wasn't he one that uh, said that never 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 quit right wasn't it him yeah yeah he's the one that said uh we will defend our aisle no matter what the cost shall be and but he battled um a lot he carried a lot of weight it, his um, his mother was mentally ill, so there's a de- definite genetic line that he was falling through. Um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't very close with his parents, uh, so he was always kind of seeking that kind of affection and attention. He actually also wrote that whenever he was in a train station, he never he would always make sure he kept the pillar between himself and the train for fear that a thought might make him do something uh, that he really didn't want to do. That's wild. This is the same man that, on this little tiny rock, was able to uh, help the Allies fight against Hitler and his Blitzkrieg. Um, you know, he he carried around with him the mistakes he made at Gallipoli as the, as the naval coordinator. He, he, he was... There was so much to him. He was such... A tremendous figure um, with such great setbacks that he was able to overcome. Um, but he, he did. He wrote in his diary well into his 80s about about this black dog or a couple of times he wrote to his wife, Clementine, that uh, the light would fade um, and sometimes the light would come back. Um, but yeah, it, it, it sounds, from what I've heard and from what I've read, uh, it seems like he battled this thing his entire life 
and, and he really tried to, he saw a therapist, he, he saw a psychiatrist, he wrote a diary, he tried to self-medicate. Um, you know, he really went as far as one could uh, in those days to battle these these issues that he was having. Yeah. Um, and actually, there's, there's a really good book um, that was written. Like I said, there's actually a whole bunch that was written about Churchill, uh, but there's one that, that not only t- talked about his black dog, it was uh, it was called Churchill's Black Dog, Kipka's Mice, and Other Phenomena of the Human Mind. Uh, it's a great book. It's a great read. Uh, very interesting stuff. Yeah, that sounds cool, man. Yeah, he was a very interesting individual, um, you know, as far as, you know, historical figures is concerned. And, um, you know, a lot of people just don't really look into him. But, yeah, he was a very interesting guy. Um, you know, he had a lot of uh, interesting ideas. He was definitely a forward thinker. Um, I definitely will say that. So, yeah, that's uh, that's another good, you know, representation, again, uh, between the uh, link between depression and creativity. Um, for me, my second is um, Chris Cornell. Now everybody knows uh, him as uh, the uh, the lead singer of uh, Soundgarden and Audio Slave and all his numerous uh, solo works and soundtrack work that you know he did since 1991. You know he was also the frontman of Temple of the Dog. Um, he just did so many things, and he was part of the grunge movement in the 90s, of course, uh, with Soundgarden. And um, it just it's sad for me because again, it's the guy that we grew up with. We listen to his music constantly. There's songs that he wrote and that, you know, I hear on the radio that take me back to certain points in my in my past. Um, you know, just different things, you know. It's just, it, it's crazy to see how a guy like this who was so creative and who was able to, you know, come up with so much great music and had a killer voice. I mean, his voice was second to none. I mean... There was very rarely anybody above Chris Cornell when it come to when it came to uh, vocals. I mean, very hard to obviously you know top that. But all the all the uh, accolades that he had, you know, between all the uh, the soundtrack work and the solo work that he did, and you know he did he sold over fourteen million albums. I mean, that's a lot of albums, fourteen million albums in his time. Um, it, it's just staggering. You know, he was nominated for 15 Grammy Awards. He won twice. But, of course, he suffered from depression and substance abuse problems, you know, earlier in his life. I mean, he was, you know, he was found dead in Detroit um, earlier on the morning of, you know, May 18, 2017, which was almost a year ago. It still feels like it was just only a week ago. But he just, that happened right after him performing a concert, you know, for Soundgarden. And again, his wife comes out and says that he, in his last days, he was just fine. He didn't seem like he was suffering from anything and or was having one of those moments where he was, uh, you know, down in the dumps or feeling, you know, bad or, or maybe lamenting about anything. Um, but, you know, again, another interesting link uh, between somebody who is suffering from such a debilitating, uh, you know, illness um, but is so creative in the other end of the spectrum. Well, I mean, it does make sense, especially like the songs that I think most of when I think of Chris Cornell um, is Black Hole Sun. Uh, it was one of their first big hits. Yep. Um, 
But if you really think about that song, if you really listen to that song, um, it does. It talks about, you know, this, this darkness kind of engulfing everything. You know, it washes away the rain. It It's just this, it's this in, entire, this, this darkness that uh, consumes. And you can very easily make the association that Chris Cornell was talking not about the sun, you know, one day becoming uh, a black hole. He was talking about how depression can take away the highest of the highs and bring you to the lowest of the lows. Um, you know, and I think that song, when, when I heard the news about him passing away, I listened to that song and it all made a lot more sense at that moment. And, one of the things about depression is sometimes you don't know what that person's going through at that moment. They, a lot of those, a lot of those, um, especially musicians and, and actors like Robin Williams and Chris Cornell, they, they've learned how to perform. You never really know. Yeah. You never know. And they hide it very well. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's just so crazy to me. I mean, I know you brought up black hole sun, and that's a yeah a perfect representation of what he was going through, but another one was um, Black Days. I mean, I fell on Black Days. I mean, how literal literal is that? I mean that that doesn't get any you know fucking depressing. I don't know what is. I fell on Black Days. I mean, Jesus, what else can you say? But again, was able to channel this darkness that he had inside himself and make something out of it and was able to you know come up with these songs and just great lyrics and just unbelievable vocals and again another one that um i thought was a a good representation between that that link no absolutely i mean absolutely you you, you're not gonna find uh you like you said it's hard to debate somebody had so many who did so many great things in the, the realm of music uh, and wrote, especially in our for our generation, that wrote so many big hits and was so influential uh, than Chris Cornell. Absolutely, uh, Jay. Who do you have uh, lastly on your list? Who's the Who's the third for you? My final one uh, is one of my favorite characters. If I if I could choose three people to have uh, have a dinner with, uh, dead or alive, this guy would be on that list. He'd be very high on that list. Um, my my final one is John Adams. Our second president. No, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, John Adams. Uh, do you know what they referred to him as in the Continental Congress? What his nickname was? No, I don't. The Agitator. Yeah, the Agitator. Wow. The Agitator. He was known to um, bully. He was known to. He was extremely tenacious. But um, in recent years. A lot of a lot of analysts, a lot, a lot of psychotherapists have looked over some of the things that he went through in his life. Was uh, they diagnosed him with um, by, it's, it's type two bipolarism because he would he would go from he would one day he would feel like he was the highest in Americas and he was practically royalty and and took a lot of heat for for acting far more regal than uh, than George Washington who was was celebrated as, as the man of the era. Um, but then the next day he would come away feeling like he was the lowest of low. 
Uh, he was such a horrible failure. Um, you know, somebody that was, if you look at this man's accomplishments, uh, he, he owned his own farm in Braintree. He was a lawyer. He was, he actually had studied at one point to be a doctor. Uh, he was internationally educated. He was a very bright and brilliant man who knew that because he was, and, and I quote, uh, he was, oh, how did he say it, obnoxious and disliked, that he had to get other people to come up with uh, the Declaration of Independence. He, he was the one that urged Thomas Jefferson to write it. He was the one that uh, got, uh, I, I, I believe it was uh, Richard H. Lee, to, to even bring up independence um, in the Continental Congress. Because every time they brought it up, every time he brought it up, uh, everybody would just instantaneously shut him down and not want to talk about it. They would rather debate over the heat than talk about uh, the independence. So um, he had to fight. He, he is probably single-handedly the biggest reason why we became our own independent country is because he was able to get people like Ben Franklin on his side. He was able to, to get John Hancock to, uh, to preside in the Continental Congress as a Continental President. And he did so, so much while battling at the same time such feelings of inadequacy. And, and, uh, and then you move on to his presidency where he's following George Washington, who is, I mean, still the model of a perfect president, whether he was perfect or not. That's, when you think of a great president, the first person you think of is George Washington, and Adams had to follow that. I mean, directly behind, he was set up for failure. Yeah, but he was so all, he, he was, was obviously a, in his life. he was obviously an influencer though. I mean, he influenced so much, like you're talking about in the background. I mean, he did so much. Right, but somebody who uh, is, was so great in the background, um, again, it, it, he was probably the most qualified on paper, but the least able in personality yeah. to be the president of the United States. Got you, got you. Well, yeah, interesting, man. Yeah, so Doc- I. Yeah, I found him. I he's always been one of my favorite figures in, in history because he's he's so up and down and, and so back and forth and you know you, you you take someone who would take a a slight in the Continental Congress and call he would end up getting into a into duels and fights in the Continental Congress, um, but then when we were trying to uh, to make peace with France and they were looking for a kickback. Um, instead of going to war like everybody in the country wanted to, he sent a second delegation out and never actually gave up the names of the French delegates that were looking for a bribe to, uh, to move things along. Um, you know, that, that says a lot about the man that he was. Yeah, he knew definitely about, he knew a lot about diplomacy. So uh, I'd definitely give him that. So yeah, definitely an a interesting and polarizing character in, in American history. And definitely one of the greatest, you know, uh, presidents of our history, uh, Mr. John Adams. So that's a, a great final pick there, Jay. Uh, for me, it's uh, my last one's uh, Vincent Van Gogh or Van Gogh, as I've heard some people lately have uh, been talking these millennials. You know how they change shit. Anyways, Vincent Van Gogh, as I know from <laughs> I was growing up and I, I was taught in school, everybody knows about Vincent Van Gogh. I mean, uh, he did such works as Starry Night. I mean. Again, he did over 2,000 pieces of work. Um, unfortunately, throughout his whole career, he was poor. 
his work wasn't even heralded until after he was dead. So he never really got to enjoy any of the fruits of his labor. You know, he, uh, he, he went through a lot during his life, but he de- battled depression again, just like all these other figures that we're talking about here tonight. And again, was able to come up with these magnificent paintings that, I mean, I thought I, I just looked up recently one of his uh, paintings. I think it was the irises. It sold for a record fifty three point nine million dollars. Jay, Jeez. I mean that's a lot of money. I mean, and that's uh, from a guy that never saw a penny to his work ever. I mean, could you imagine that? Do you think he's rolling over in his no. grave right now? I mean, just like wondering, like I mean, <laughs> Jesus, I mean. That's a lot of money. I mean, his other one, the uh, portrait. That, that is a lot of money. Yeah, portrait uh, of Doctor Gachet. That one sold for eighty-two point five million. So I mean, it, it's just I mean, just talking about that, it's, it's it's so crazy because you you see how somebody struggles throughout their career, especially when you're an artist, um, whether it be a musician or an actual literal artist like this, who was a you know who, who drew paintings and portraits and you know oil paintings of that s- sort. It goes, it just drives me crazy to see, you know, these people that weren't appreciated during their time. And unfortunately, they don't, they don't gain their recognition until, you know, they're, you know, it's posthumously, basically. You know, Picasso was another example of that. You know, obviously he didn't, you know, battle Mm -hmm. depression, but he was another example of another guy who, you know, his paintings go for millions and millions of dollars. But, you know, throughout his career, he never saw any kind of, you know, any kind of positivity from his career at all. Yeah, well, I mean, that's one of the, the that's the funny thing about about art. Um, something tends to be uh, art experts will say it's great, but unless the guy is dead, um, they won't say it's expensive because while that person's alive, they can do more works of art. They can recreate other works that they've sold. Um, so it's the availability is what makes it cheap. But once that guy is dead, then there are not, there's not going to be any more Van Goghs. There's not going to be any more uh, Picassos. And that suddenly drives the prices way up because everyone wants to make sure they have a piece from someone that was a real deal, undisputed artist. That's a shame. It is a shame. It is a shame. Well, um, I don't know if you know this or not, Jay, but they came out with this movie not too long ago. I think it was last year. It's called uh, either Loving Vincent or Finding Vincent. But what they did, Jay, is they took all of his paintings. You know, like I said, he did over like 2,000 paintings in his career. And they basically animated um, his paintings into a movie talking about actually his death. And it was it was unbelievably done. I mean, they basically animated his, his all his portraits and paintings. And it's just so cool because you're looking at these paintings and they're coming to life as if it was part of a movie. So we're going to segue right into our uh, our outro and talk about what to watch. And what I'm going to recommend right off the bat is this movie called um, Finding Vincent or Loving Vincent. And I have the uh, trailer for everybody to listen here. So uh, hold on a second. Okay, Jay? Oh, yeah. Vincent van Gogh killed himself. How does a man go from calm to suicidal in six weeks? Vincent left this letter. Theo van Gogh. That's Vincent's brother, isn't it? 
I don't see the point in delivering a dead man's letter. Son, if you had died and there was a letter out there that you had sent to me, I'd want it. brings you to over there. I want to do something for Vincent. You're not going to stir things up again, are you? I've had quite enough weeping over that nutcase. His neighbours and the police <laughs> and the whole town <laughs> against an ill man. Vincent, what have you done? We all knew something was very wrong. Vincent! about his death. What do you know of his life? What did you do for him? I would like to show by my work what this nobody has in his heart. Your loving Vincent. So yeah, that's uh, Loving Vincent and uh, that was released last year. You can uh, check it out on Amazon. They, I think they have it on Netflix um, but you can catch it on your other uh, normal stuff. So that's going to be my uh, what to watch for uh, this week, Jay. Um, do you have anything on your menu? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, mine is actually kind of the segue from my final person, John Adams. Uh, mine is actually a musical called 1776. Oh, thank God. I thought um, you were going to say fucking Hamilton for was, a second. Huh? I thought you were going to say Hamilton for a second, so thank God. Okay. No, 1776 <laughs> is cool with me. I'm good with that. 1776 with the musical uh, was originally done back in the 70s. And, uh, of course, you know Mr. McFeely from uh, Boy Meets World, right? Of course. He plays John Adams. Oh, perfect John Adams. I mean, um, he looks like a John Adams. Uh, he, he was a perfect John Adams. Uh, but it's a musical, and it's really... It, they, it was written by um, some of the great knowledge of history... And uh, he spent a lot of time getting everything together and making as historically accurate a musical as possible. Uh, and you will see in there the wonderful relationship between John Adams and Benjamin Franklin, who couldn't have been two more different human beings with the same goal. Uh, you'll see how Adams and Thomas Jefferson, um, while they were on the Declaration Committee, uh, they, they couldn't have been... Um, more at odds with one another uh, in the writing of the Declaration of Independence. You actually get to see and hear that uh, when they were trying to choose what animal would be the national animal, they all three wanted birds. You got Thomas Jefferson wanted it to be a dove. Uh, John Adams wanted it to be the bald eagle, which of course it is. Uh, and Benjamin Franklin wanted it to be a turkey. So there's just a, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful musical. Uh, it's wildly entertaining. Uh, you can get it on uh, on DVD. I think you can also get it free on YouTube if that's still available there. Um, you can find it online for, for pretty cheap. Um, but I suggest picking up it. It, it is a great musical. It's, it's unbelievably, uh, unbelievably wonderful. 
Awesome. Yeah, that sounds like something I would watch. So imagine in, if they did like in C-SPAN now. Like, can you ever see C-SPAN now? Imagine if they had like duels like on C-SPAN live on TV right now. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> I would fucking watch. That would be cool. I would watch I C-SPAN every day. Congress, man. Absolutely. Wouldn't you watch a duel between like two old guys? There was the original delegate for Delaware. And mind you, Delaware back in the 1700s, was it was a swamp. And their delegate, their delegate rather, uh, rep- he he was like that. His nick- his nickname was Old Grape and Guts because the man would drink barrels of rum a day. Damn, yeah, that's a lot of rum. That's a lot of rum. But yeah, imagine if we had something like that. If they were like dueling right there live on TV, Joe Rogan was commentating. We'd have Herb Dean in there, you know. <laughs> You know, just getting everybody ready, you know. Are you ready? Are you ready? And then you pa you know what I mean? And all of a sudden that'd be just I'd watch C Spin every fucking day. That'd be great. But uh yeah, that, uh, that, that'd that, be awesome. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. So Jay, um, you know, concluding to um and wrapping this up, um, who do you have for your dick of the week? Who who's who's the who's the heel of the week for you, buddy? The bane of my existence. Oh shit. Tom motherfucking Brady. <laughs> Did they cheat? Did, now, they, did they cheat, Jay? Did they cheat? Did they cheat? Did they cheat? Uh, I mean, I don't know if they openly cheated. I, I They won the game. I'm not going to take that away from them. Uh, there are definitely calls in the game that they got away with because they're the Patriots. Yeah. And they get calls. Like My bigger issue, and it's one I, I, I fight often with anybody I know who's a Patriots fan, and let me be upfront. Uh, I have all the respect in the world for Tom Brady. Uh, I do believe he's one of the greats of all time, but he's not the greatest of all time. He's not the greatest. Everyone wants to call him the GOAT and just go ahead and, and put him atop the mountain of, of quarterbacks by himself. But there were other quarterbacks who did more. Uh, there were other quarterbacks who uh, were more influential, that did more to change the game. There, there are quarterbacks who are smarter. There are quarterbacks that there are quarterbacks who had were more well rounded. Um, so, but because he's won five rings, that automatically makes him the greatest. Well, if you only look at who has the most rings, then you're saying Terry Bradshaw is better than Dan Marino and Aaron Rodgers. And I don't think anybody wants to try to make that argument. No. So, it's not about just the rings. It's about how you perform in those games. And I'm not saying he hasn't performed uh, well in a lot of his big-time games, but he's also sucked in a couple of those games. Uh, he's lost a few Super Bowls. Everybody seems to want to forget about those. Yeah, he has. Uh, he, he's always had the benefit of unbelievable offensive lines that no one takes into account. Bill Belichick. And Bill Belichick is the smartest uh, football coach. He knows more about football than anybody who ever coached, ever. The second William that's smart. Fucking Matt Castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I'm not, again, I'm not taking anything away from Brady. I'm not saying he's not great. Uh, you know, I, it, it took both him and Belichick to get there. Fine. But you put Tom Brady on the Cleveland Browns, and guess what? He's Bernie fucking Kozar. Bernie Kozar, yeah, I remember him. I forgot him too, very easily too. But yeah, I mean, uh, Dick of the Week, uh, Tom Brady, got you, man. Listen, uh, yeah, I was, uh, 
I was really rooting for the Jaguars on that one, and unfortunately, it just didn't work out for them. But hey, listen, yeah. uh, they they show a lot. We all were. Yeah, listen, they show a lot of promise though. Jacksonville looks good, man. You know, next year they're going to be a contender. So, um, you know, just have to look out for that. But um, all right, my dick of the week is going to be um, Sarah Sanders Huckabee. Do you know who that is, Jay? Uh, no, I have no idea. Who that is. She's a speaker of the house, and um, she uh, kind of looks like a man. Um, but anyways, um, okay. yeah, she drives me absolutely crazy, um, with her, she says, look all the time, anything she starts her conversation, look, 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 look. And they basically did like a compilation of her doing this and it just okay. solidified my hatred of her. So, um, here is a quick <laughs> compilation of Miss, uh, Sarah, uh, Huckabee Sanders, um, with her infatuation with the word look. Look, I, I, I look, wait, look, the, look, I'm not, look, I think that happened. Look, I think he, look, I think, look, I, I think he, look, I think, 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 what he, look, I, I, I think that, uh, look, the president's, look, George, look, 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 I'm, look, it's weird. Look, I, I, look, 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 again, look, Look, uh, look, uh, look, I'd... Yeah, look. See, look at that. Dick of the week. That's what you get. That's what you get for saying look so many times. You could be, end up being dick of the week on Dark Ridge Radio. So, yeah, that's my dick of the week. Sarah uh, Huckabee Sanders uh, for saying look so You know what times. that reminds me of? What's that? Do you remember the band Warrant? Of course. From the 80s. And she's my cherry pie. Yeah, of course. They did. They did a thing on one of their albums. I don't even know if you can find them like YouTube or whatever. Uh, but it's called Ode to Tipper Gore. So remember when Warren was big and in their stride, right. Al Gore was the vice president. And uh, Tipper Gore was going through with the, all this... Uh, Parental you know, advisory shit. Exactly, exactly. So they did an ode to her. Uh, and it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. Uh, I'll have to look that uh, up. It's yeah, you, you should look it up and and, and listen to it, uh, you know, when you can. It, but it's, it is hilarious. Awesome, awesome. Well, um, another thing I wanted to do, Jay, before we uh, say goodbye to everybody, is I um, wanted to give the National Suicide and Prevention Hotline um, lifeline number. And, you know, we all can help prevent suicide. The uh, lifeline uh, provides 24-7 free and confidential support for people um, in distress, prevention, and crisis uh, and it's resources for you and your loved ones, and it's best for you know practices and professionals. So you know, um, I wanted to get that out, and that's one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. Again, the number is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. And you know, if you guys are you know anybody out there that's actually suffering from something like this, you know, give this uh, give these people a call. It's not going to hurt you anything. Uh, you know, talk to somebody. The best thing I can you know refer to uh, to anybody when they're you know dealing with something like this is to talk talk to somebody um i think that's the best thing you can do and um, i wanted to give that information out to you know anybody that may have you know any kind of thoughts like that in their mind um but i wanted to get that out again that's the national suicide prevention hotline number 1-800-273-8255 okay well jay uh anything else for you tonight uh yeah i want to end on um on this anybody who's everybody goes through something Anybody who's going through something that feels they don't have anywhere to turn, call that hotline. Um, while today might be a bad day, you should always fight to live because 
tomorrow can and will get better. Um, you know, committing suicide, uh, ending your own life, that, um, that, that means that you're not going to have any more good days ever. That's so, right. That's right. Um, you know, allow people to help you know that there are people out there who can help and do care and want to help and, uh, and do everything you can to, uh, to survive. Um, you know, keep fighting. That's, that's what you got to do. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, again, uh, I'm Will Martinez, and of course, my co-host Jake Losey. Uh, you can catch all our information on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Instagram, uh, also now on Google Play. Just look up Dark Fringe Radio. You can look us up and um, you know give us uh, a subscribe and uh, a liking and um, a five star review on the iTunes side. Help us out, and um, we would really appreciate it. Again, uh, we thank you for enjoying, uh, or well, we enjoyed doing this podcast. And I hope you guys enjoy listening to the podcast. And um, next week, uh, we'll have another brand new episode of the podcast. I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about, but I guarantee you it'll be something very interesting. So again, for my co-host, mm-hmm. Jake Losey, anything for you? Anything else for the night? That's it. Just keep, uh, keep us building numbers. Keep us... Uh, keep us going. Let's, let's take this thing as far as we can to give everybody that that voice and that springboard to get out their opinions and keep talking about the things that not everybody wants to talk about. Amen. Amen, brother. All right, guys. Um, I hope you guys enjoy the episode, and we'll see you guys next week. Soldier on my own, I don't know the way I'm riding up the heights of shame I'm waiting for the call, the hand on the chest I'm ready for the fight and fate